Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to bridge the gap between therapists and clients. We are your companions on your journey to build your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've created a free email course on our website. Head over to shrinkthink.com forward slash podcast, where we've got practical steps on overcoming fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey there, Daniel Fava here, and if you don't know me, I'm the host of the Private Practice Elevation Podcast, where I share online marketing strategies and interviews to help private practice owners attract more clients and scale their businesses. The Private Practice Elevation Podcast is part of the SiteCraft Network of Podcasts, and I'm super excited to be part of this network alongside Aaron and Nathan and the great work they're doing. If you haven't discovered the Private Practice Elevation podcast yet, you can find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'd love for you to join me as we explore topics like building an effective website for your private practice, search engine optimization, content marketing, and copywriting, as well as my conversations with experienced private practice owners about scaling a practice, outsourcing, team leadership, and all the things that are going to help you elevate your business and create the life you love. Be sure to check us out at privatepracticeelevation.com for resources and content to help you in your online marketing journey. Hey everyone, welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. We have an incredible show today with a guest interviewer that you are not going to want to miss. After listening to this interview and going back over it, I have decided this is probably one of the best uh, episodes that we've ever recorded. Maybe ever will record. Um, And I'm not trying to overstate that at all. I just really think this is an incredible story with a profound meaning and message that the world really needs to hear. So I'm really excited to share this with you guys today. Let me introduce our guest and then you can get on with the episode and hear for yourself the incredible story. Pavel Idyal was a man with a successful career living the American dream a year into his marriage when a tragic accident happened that left him with a broken neck and his wife paralyzed from the neck down. Pavel went through his recovery with no family to support him, needing to be strong for his wife, who was paralyzed and suicidal, facing a mountain of despair himself. Out of this journey, however, Pavel was able to find meaning and joy in life, which he wrote down in his book called True Love and Suffering a caretaker's memoir of trauma, despair, and other blessings. We've got Pavel on our show today to share his incredible story of love, suffering, humanity, and connection, and how he was able to find great meaning from such a tragedy. So without further ado, here is our interview with our guest, Pavel Idyal. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. We are excited to have a fantastic guest on our show today. Um, He's got quite an incredible story. Uh, There's an incredible story of how something that you would think if this happened to you, you'd be like, wow, this is like the worst thing in my life, the worst moment in my life, the worst thing that could ever happen. And that's probably true. I think in some levels, you'll probably hear quite a bit about how that was not a good thing in some ways, but also 
this guy is telling us that this is the best thing that's ever happened to him. So how do you go from something that is horrific, like a car accident that where you break your neck into something like this has brought me or has given me the happiness in my life that I was always looking for. So we're going to talk with an incredible guest today. His name is Pavel. He's got a book out. He's got a Netflix documentary coming out. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it because I'm excited to hear your story. So welcome to the show, Pavel. Introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me aboard. Um, I'm happy to be here to share bits and pieces of my story. My name is Pavel. And as, as you said, I was in a, in a terrible car accident, but not that's not what makes it special per se. It was both me and my wife were in that car accident and she broke her neck and I broke my neck. Um, she was given 10% chance to survive her accident or the first night in the hospital. My, my, my neck break was actually so bad that it didn't know what to do with me. My neck was basically balancing on a string. So I broke the C1, which controls the breathing and all the ligaments were torn and the skull was broken. So um, I was like a bobblehead. So I had to lay still in the, in the hospital for three days and three nights. Just still, they just didn't know what to do with me. So the backstory is that um, I was a successful photographer in America, um, maybe the most successful fitness photographer at the time. My wife, Kat, was a major in the U.S. Air Force. We were both just at the pinnacle of our careers and everything should have been happy and glory, but it really wasn't. We were both kind of looking for love, if you want. Um, I had everything. I had the Range Rover, I had the Rolex, I had a million dollar in the bank and so did, so did she. She had everything, but we were lonely, both of us. Um, and a long story short, we met at a fitness party. And after that, it was just explosions. You know, we It was a perfect we, fit, you might say. <laughs> Perfect fit. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't have been better. Couldn't have been better. Um, so we traded that loneliness from our childhood to just embracing. And it was, it wasn't even that, um, I'm going deeper, but it wasn't even that sexual. We were just looking for comfort and, 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 and safety. Net. We were looking for safety mostly. So we, we spent days and days just laying and hugging each other in our arms. So with that in mind, after being married only one year, um, and we were going to celebrate our first Christmas together. We went into our Range Rover up on the 405, which is an infamous highway in Los Angeles. Um, and before I could even react, something shook the cars and, and the car started sliding. Um, it was started sliding off the, off the road. Dust came up. I was holding the steering wheel really, really hard. And we hit one of those big street signs that says Newport Beach or Laguna Beach. And um, my head went boom in the windshield. And that that's when I cracked and broke my neck. And we rolled four or five times. And when I woke up, it was just blood, chaos, and glass and shatter. So that's the backstory to it. Wow. So how did, I mean, tell us a little bit more. Like, how did you get from there, this accident to the hospital? How did, how did, how did you get out of it? I mean, did they have to use like the jaws of death? I mean, jaws of life, uh, yes. jaws of life, I guess. Yeah. Sorry. We're so focused on death. Yeah. No. <laughs> We're at the beginning of the evolution of the story. The death is the beginning. The life comes at the end. Yeah. Um, my wife being a major in the air force, she thought she had broken her arms because she couldn't move her arms, but she had broken her neck instantly on impact, but she kept her cool. And she's, um, she said, Pavel, go and get help. So the car was upside down. I rolled out of the car. I landed with my head first. I should have died right there. But I was so, um, I was so combobulated in my head due to the trauma that I, I, just, I couldn't even remember how a how phone looked like. 
So I'm screaming to Kat, I can't find it. I don't know how to look like, what to do. And she was just ice cold calm. She said, Pavel, go and get help. So after a while, I walked, I walked out on the 405. And you can walk, your neck is broken and you can still yeah. walk? Wow, yes. That's... Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's pissing blood everywhere. Wow. It's, it's throbbing, but it's, there's no pain, Aaron. That's, it's, and many people ask me about that. It's not, it's not painful in that sense, but you feel like you're going to die. You know you're about to die, but there's no pain. I wave my hands, no cars are stopping. So at that point, at that point in time, I take the decision that I'm ready to die for my wife. So I walk out onto the 405 and that's six lanes of just heavy traffic. And I'm waving my hands, no car stopping. Wow. And, and I'm getting goosebumps. No one stops. I don't know if you heard about the phenomena, the, um, the third person or the third, the, the, whatever they call it, but in front of me, person appears with like um dressed in rags like ragdoll and he's asking me if i want help and i scream at him call 911 call 911 i still today don't know if that was a vagabond if that was an angel or if that was my alter ego but 911 did you know the ambulance did show up after that wow and then at that point i mean i don't know how far we want to move into the future but at that point you somebody they show up and they take you i guess i'm wondering on the big picture, like what the whole recovery process is, I'm just very mindful of where we're going here. And on the other hand, I'm super interested in every single second. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, that's a great question. Like, when did you know that your neck was broken? What did they tell you was the recovery process? And then what, maybe what actually happened? You know, because sometimes yeah. they'll say like, this is what's going on. And you're like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to walk again or whatever. Yeah, I had I had the utmost fortune to meet the toughest, most grittiest uh, doctor there is in Long Beach Memorial Hospital. I, I was wheeled into the trauma room. Uh, at that point, I was I was hurt. I was in pain. Um, at that point, the adrenaline had worn off. Um, I was laying straight down, and this head comes like over me like this, and this is this um, dark skinned woman with this these intense brown eyes. It's a small little figure. But she looks straight at me and she says, your wife is going to be paralyzed for life. Your wife is going to be paralyzed for life. And at that point, I had like a millisecond. And, I, and, you know, literally, okay, either I'm going crazy. I'm just going to go crazy, like mentally off the charts. Or I'm going to do something else. And I chose to just like start repeating I'm going to be strong for cat. I have to be strong for cat. I have to be strong for cat. And I did that three days and three nights. I never. Stopped. I love that you said that because because it's a very clear choice that you're making. And I've I've talked with other people. Like I have a, a good friend that had a was in a skiing accident yeah. when he was uh, 16. Um, and Brian tells me like, yeah, there was this time where doctors had said, you know, you're not going to walk again. And it's like yeah. you have a choice of how you respond to this, and that choice has really determined this path for your life. Yeah, no, you you're absolutely right, Aaron. It it is that it absolutely is a choice. I don't know how I took it, you mm -hmm. know, subconsciously or what I really happened, but I made the choice and I made a choice to be strong for her, which made me maybe not dwell in my own misery. Like because because I had I was actually worse off than Kat, but that was before they actually fixed fixed me with with a with a halo that they screwed into my skull. Wow. Um it allowed me to not think about myself, but just to, to like 
mount the warriors inside me and just be strong, be strong, be strong. And I thought that for three days and three nights. And after that, it's just kind of, kind of rolled on. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. Did, did that doctor say anything else to you besides uh, the stuff about cat? I'm just wondering. Dr. Farron. Yeah. Dr. Farron. Um, yeah. She says she told me to be strong. So maybe that's where I got it from. Mm. I don't remember it like that, but maybe she did. And then if she did, that's fantastic. And uh, Dr. Farron and I are now very close friends. We we shared um, quite of a quite a journey over the years. So yeah, I I, I mean I thank her. She's a, the, one of the main characters in the movie, and I thank her for her honesty. She had the guts to be honest. Yeah. Like, and she's from Iran. I don't know if the Ara Arabic culture, but they're very direct in their Arabic culture, mm -hmm. and maybe that that's what she brought with her. Um, but that directness and looking in my eyes and just telling it how it was like. Don't sugarcoat it. This is how it is. Deal with it. Deal with it. And that at least it helped me. No, I love that because it it told you this is what is actually happening, and yep. here's what it's going to require of you. And you've got a choice. You know, this is the reality of the situation. Yep. And if you want to, yeah, like you said, it it made it clear that you've got a, this this path in front of you to go left or to go right. And she was encouraging you also in a very seems like a very loving way, just a very direct way. Be strong. <laughs> Choose strength. So yeah. what was what was that recovery process like for you? And did you have people in your life that were like supporting you that came around you? You know, when people go through stuff, I think a lot of people um, have difficulty with the reactions. They don't know how to react to, to somebody uh, like that. So what was your process like? One second, Pavel. One thing I want to highlight that you were just talking about, Aaron, is people can make a choice based in truth. Mm -hmm. And it's crucial that you hear the truth. And this is what we've talked about a lot on the podcast is that part of being in therapy is realizing that your therapist is going, is telling you the truth. Like this doctor. Like the doctor right. did. I mean, if, if the doctor gave you some like, okay, we'll make sure you're strong. It's going to, you know, it's all going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, it's a totally different choice yeah. that you have at that point. Um, Cause you're just, you might relax. You might not fight that much because it's going to be fine anyway. And right. you probably don't know the the reality or the gravity of the choice that you're making because it's not really grounded in the full truth. Your your reality was grounded in okay, my wife's going to be paralyzed for the rest of her life. Like right. I need to let that sink in and and go with that. Right. Yeah. Now you you guys you guys are therapists, right? That's what you do for a mm -hmm. living. Yeah. 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 While the truth helped me, the truth did not help the ones that were supposed to help us. So that mm -hmm. first week in the hospital, my world really collapsed uh, in a sense that I realized that life is arbitrary for the first thing in that the universe did not stop because we had an accident. And you, you, you think so. You think it will. You're like, stop. Let's fix this. Then we can move on. But everything just kept on rolling on. Um, but so that was one shock. And second shock was that the people that I thought was going to be there for us were not there for us. So in the long run, none of our families were there for us, which really shook me to my core more than the accident, I want to say, because I was born and raised with the illusion, I want to say, that the family's family's blood, family is there for you. You can always turn to them. And me being a successful photographer, I always took my family on big expensive trips and yada, yada, yada. And obviously I thought they would be there for me, but they weren't. They chose, they chose to come with excuses and and back off. Um, and for me, that was worse than the accident. I did because I, I didn't know what to do. It's like you, you, you're all 
alone. Like you're literally all alone. Um, so that was tough. But in that loneliness, there was a blessing in my screams on Facebook. Thank God for social media in that sense, because I really screamed it out. I was desperate. I was at home, home. I still had a broken neck. My wife was about a broken neck. She was suicidal. I had no one. I had subpar caregivers now and then coming to help me. So I just, I screamed out on Facebook and text and video and, and audio and, and people heard me. They, you know, people I didn't know, people we didn't know that had experienced similar pain came and helped or messaged me and asked, can I come by? Can I, can I help? What can I do? And they're now some of our best friends and, and uh, it's remarkable people. It's remarkable people. And, and I have some of them in my documentary, obviously, and just warriors, just overall warriors. When, when did you realize that your close people, your family and that kind of thing were actually not going to help? I mean, when did it settle in? It settled in once we came home from the hospital. Once we were released from the VA, um, three months after the accident, everyone thinks you're okay. That's when the shit starts. Like, because when in the hospital, really, you have 24-7 help. If you need anything, you just ding the bell and someone will come in and help you. That's not the problem. When you come home, you, you're, you're like a shell. I was a like shell. People forget about you almost. Yeah. They think you're okay. They're home. They're okay. We had no one. It was just me. I was just, you know, I was a shell of myself. Cat was suicidal. And I had no one. I had some subpar caregivers from an agency that I didn't care. And it was just like, you know, it's just, you walk through like fire and brimstone every, every second of every day, literally. I imagine that you've reached out now, you're reaching out on social media, that kind of thing. And then these people that are supposed to be caring about you the most are not responding. I mean, you've got other than maybe, as you mentioned in our previous communication before we started the show, the idea that they're giving you money or whatever. Um, other than that, you know, you're only really hearing from these folks that you uh, that were surprised to even hear from at all because you did not know them. Yeah, I was, I mean, I was so desperate. I asked my mom, all you have to do is come over and help me wash the dishes. That was the level of my desperation. And she was like, no, no, I'm, I'm too old. And lots of other excuses. And hearing that from your mom, it just, you know, it broke my heart, like a million pieces. And then I asked my, my best friend, I don't want to say his name, let's call him Ralph. And he's a multimillionaire. And I said, Ralph, just, just, just te text me every morning. Just to make sure I'm okay. And just Keep me accountable. Just text me. Just say hi. And he couldn't do that. It was just too much for him. I guess because it reminded me or him of, of my life, of the sadness. So it became very clear very fast that people, they have, they have so much going on in their own lives, I think, that they, they just can't handle any more sadness. But the ones that did, the ones that came to help us, they, they fed from the responsibility and became strong. But it takes a level of, it takes a level of, of humanity. To do it you know like mensch you have to like embrace your humanity to do it and most people in today's day and age don't i guess i want to come back to the sadness piece um because we had, had touched on that before we started recording i think that's there's some really powerful stuff there but one thing that people will uh will say a lot in my office that they're going through something especially with stuff like grief or you know uh, like an accident um i had some people go through things like that they will often say that family members, friends won't contact them. They won't reach out. They won't say things. And, and to the therapist, me, they'll say, I think it's because they don't know what to say. 
And it's maddening because you're here all alone and you're desperate crying out. You're like, I don't care what you say, right? Say anything, say nothing. Like, do you have any advice for people that are um, the family members, the friends of maybe listeners in our audience that know somebody who's going through something like what can they say or do that would be meaningful when they don't know what to say or do? Yeah, in, in all honesty, the most meaningful thing you can do when you're trying to help someone in pain is just being there. I would say don't say anything. Don't try to say anything. Don't try to be and don't be pragmatic. Don't try to solve the problem for God's sake, because you can't. Not right there and then, that's for sure. Just be there. Show up. Just sit there. And if you're going to say something, say, I don't know what to say, but I'm here. And that's honest. And, and, and what you need when you've gone through trauma, at least the kind of trauma that we went through, is just honesty. Mm. You just, because you, you, you don't sugarcoat me. Like I, I was near death. My wife is near death. We, she's suicidal. Like we need it straight. That's what we yeah. need to survive. So, so just show up. I know, I know people will ask this and it seems really basic, but like, what, what good does it do to just be there? Like, I'm not doing anything. Like, why is that so important? Good question. It gives safety. You feel safe. Honestly, that's, that's it. You just, you feel like someone cares and it gives you safety. It's, I guess it goes back to being in mommy's tummy or something, but <laughs> it just makes you feel cared for, you know, and it's love, right? Isn't that what we're all looking for in some some way, shape, or form, it's love, right? If it's, it can be sex, it can be someone holding you, it can be caring for your older mother, it can be caring for your daughter, but it's all love, right? And that's, I, I would, yeah, categorize it as love. Yeah, that's beautiful. I really, ultimately, I think you're right, because what you're, if you really look at the truth, the reality of the situation, you were alone, you had nobody, and all these people, like you're saying, their lives are so busy, they were investing their time giving themselves to all these other things that they're doing, maybe other people. But what you needed was them to sacrifice that for them to give of themselves and of their time to you. And that is like the greatest gift that we have is ourselves and our time. And so if I can give that to you, just being with you is one of the most incredible gifts. And I think this is why when people are dying, they want their family around them. Like you don't need to say or do anything, just being with me gives me the sense of safety and comfort that I need to be at peace. Yeah. And where do you want to die, Aaron? At home. You want to die at home, never in the hospital. Trust me. Like it's the first thing ever. I, I was the same way. Like, don't, don't let me die here. I want to go home. Cat, mm. I mean, Cat and I live so, and I'm sorry for putting it, but down or on your fantastic program. That's usually very happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Just the other day, just actually yesterday, Cat um, collapsed a little bit. So, Kath and I are so familiar with death and we're, we're okay with it. Um, but we both agree that we want to, we want to die at home or it's more about her and she wants to die at home. So for, for God's sake, don't take me to a cold hospital where you can't come visit because they have COVID routines and you know, all that. So it's, it's home. Like you want to feel safe. It's that safety thing again. It just comes back to it. Yeah. It's interesting because it's part of what you went through was you're alone, right? So you are alone. But then there's the realization as you reach out that you are alone. Like, okay, well, you are going to be alone now. That's yeah. a different situation. I thought I, I knew I didn't have anybody around here, but I didn't actually think I was actually alone until now. So really what's happening, people actually are solving a problem when they come mm-hmm. to you. They're solving the problem yeah. of you being alone. And that's it. Thanks 
for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. 